you did that already. Good job. My name is Jim. For those of you who don't know me, I'm excited uh, to be here with you this morning. Um, when Ford said he was going to be out of town, uh, suffering in Hawaii, and asked me to uh, do a couple of these sermons in a row, I thought, why not a series, a small little mini-series on the Beatitudes? Um, earlier this morning, my wife, who um, really believes in me, she said, are you sure you're prepared for this sermon? And I said yes. And the reason I could say yes so boldly is all I'm doing is uh, going off of Christ's sermon. So that makes my job up here really, really easy. It's not that uh, difficult to just let Christ's words speak. But kids, I've got a bit of a challenge for you guys today. I'm going to see if you guys could uh, give me some characteristics of when you think of a hero. When you think of a hero, maybe superhero, a hero in real life. What are some characteristics of heroes? Heroes. Who's got some? Yes. Brave. Brave. Yes. Good. Yes. Very confident. Yes. Heroes are confident. They're brave for sure. Yes. Other thoughts on characteristics of heroes? Yes. Strong. strong. Absolutely. We love our heroes strong. Any others? Yes. Courageous. Courageous. Yes. Courageous, brave, strong, confident. Yes. Heroic. heroic. Yes. Heroes are heroic. Yes. They can fly. Yes, they can fly. Um, so while, while uh, I'm talking to the adults in the room, you guys can keep this in mind, that the image that Christ gives us of the hero is in some ways very different than the broader cultural understanding of what we think of when we think of a hero. And so I think Miss uh, Kimberly has a sheet on the front of your clipboard uh, for the Beatitudes. You guys can be working on that. But be listening to just how Christ describes the heroes and how that might differ from our, uh, our current cultural understanding. And so for the adults in the room, if you've had the opportunity to come to our Sunday school um, at 9 o'clock the last few weeks, I can assure you that I'm not going to use any terms like mimesis or poiesis. And I promise I won't even say social imaginary. Now, about this social imaginary. As uh, Christians, I think we should be students of culture. And so I really love to watch movies, to read stories. And I think that there is a strand in stories right now that is particularly important. Culturally speaking, what are some of the most popular films over the last 10 years, some of the most broadly popular films over the last 10 years. What do, any of the Marvel movies? Yes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to note something here that I think that has something to do with a broad shift in our social imaginary. And I don't think it's new to us, but I think there's something to be pointed out here. And then we'll talk a little bit about how the Beatitudes spell out a different story for what it means to be a hero, what it means for us to participate in making the world a better place. 
So I really love stories like the Iliad and the Odyssey. And the Iliad obviously comes from ancient Greece, so it's an ancient Greek pagan culture. And how are their heroes portrayed in this ancient Greek culture, this pagan culture? Well, they're strong, they're courageous, um, they're head cases in uh, many instances, but they certainly have this idea the the mighty and the strong warrior is going to come and make everything better for the rest of us. That as long as we have that great, mighty hero, everything's going to be great. That is pre-Christian pagan culture. There's a huge shift in culture after we see that Christ comes not like that, right? Christ doesn't come as this strong hero who's going to come and conquer mightily with his strong sword, which some probably anticipated would be the case for the Jewish Messiah. Christ doesn't come that way. We read in Philippians 2 that he comes in a, a humble way. He's even humble to the point where he's born and he's a baby, that Christ the God of creation, the author of creation, the Logos, is a baby, right? That's very humbling. So that takes root in Christian culture for a long time, where this idea of hero are, is something like a saint, somebody who pours themselves out, who cares little for themselves and cares after the interests of others, right? Really taking grasp of that Philippians 2 passage where it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And I would like to posit that as America and the West is largely increasing in our, um, the rise of the nuns, not the N-U-N-S. Has anybody heard this? The rise of the nuns, the N-O-N-E, right? That more and more people are identifying as having no religion, no religious belief, we are increasingly secularized. We're increasingly non-Christian. We're, we're sort of living in a post-Christian West. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that in our post-Christian Western civilization, there's a new rise of this popularity of the things that used to be popular in these old ancient pagan cultures, right? When we think of a hero who's going to come and save us, we now think of Iron Man, Captain America, Right? We think of these, these strong men and women who can come in and save the day for us. I mean, they're even pulling in old pagan myth with Thor and Loki. That seems to be a popular series these days. I won't get into why I won't watch Loki, but some people I heard has really enjoyed it. Um, but I think that has a lot to do with the increasingly secularized Western civilization. And that's the story I think the Beatitudes are going to speak back into our lives as Christians today. That I think we long for this hero to come in and make this chaotic world right and to use his power, her power and influence to save the day. But when you read Christ's opening of his Sermon on the Mount and you read the Beatitudes and you look to the person of Christ, you start to see a different picture of what it means to be heroic. What will actually bring redemption to the world. And so I don't think it's accidental that one of the most popular movies in the last 20 plus years has been Lord of the Rings. Right? You knew I was going to mention it. So let's just get that awkwardness out of the way. Of course, I'm going to talk about Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings. 
But when we look at Lord of the Rings and its popularity, there were several uh, literary polls of uh, back in 2000, what was the greatest book of the 20th century? And several of these polls, Lord of the Rings rises to the top, that it's the best book of the 20th century. And I think it's because it speaks to us the Christian tale. It speaks to us the Christian myth. If you look at the heroes in Lord of the Rings and you compare them to the heroes of Marvel coming in and saving the day with all their power and might, there's a bit of a note of the Beatitudes in there. So let's look at some of the heroes. You know, Gandalf is certainly not powerless, right? But he's Gandalf the Grey. He's not the most powerful of the wizards. And it's not until he empties himself out gives of himself in love and falls to his death in fighting the Balrog that he can resurrect with true power, that in emptying himself and being uh, willing to lay his life down for others, that we see his true power come out. Even Aragorn. Aragorn is the rightful king who's supposed to sit on the throne, yet he's a humble ranger who has been on the sidelines, wandering in the woods for many, many years. But the most important characters that we can look to in the Lord of the Rings, to really see this nature of the Beatitudes taking hold in this story and to see that it's a truly Christian tale of the hobbits. The hobbits save the world. And what do the hobbits have? Do they have might? Are they filled with strength and superpowers? No, they're, they're small. You might even say meek and humble. And yet it is them who bring peace to the world. And that's precisely what Christ is laying out for us in the Beatitudes. So this is a two-week series, so we'll touch a lot more next week on these specifics, but this is more of an introduction, and I promise I will speak less about the Lord of the Rings next week, but probably not. So when we're thinking about the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are are the meek. Blessed are the pure of heart. Blessed are those who suffer for righteousness' sake. Those don't sound like attributes of mighty heroes who will conquer the world. And yet, that's precisely what happened. That is precisely what happened. That Christ laid it out, and it is exactly what happened. So St. Thomas Aquinas, great Christian thinker, says there are really four things that draw us away from God very powerfully because they mimic this idea of the ancient pagan gods, this idea of uh, the ability to control your world and your life. And so he says these four things are the most dangerous for us as, as humans. And those four things are wealth, pleasure, power, and then honor and fame. So he says, if we're, if we're thinking about the, the broad ideas that draw us away from God, that draw us away from the way things ought to be, then really it's those four things. They're most successful at getting us off track and living a life that is not honoring and pleasing to God. And again, that is wealth and pleasure and power and honor and fame. So if we were to take an honest look at our culture at our lives, we can see those things at play right now. It's not very hard to see where wealth plays an outsized role in our minds and in our hearts. 
It's quite easy to see where pleasure or the pursuit of pleasure plays and has an outsized role in our hearts and minds. Certainly power and certainly honor and fame. I mean, why would somebody own so many venomous snakes? But I digress. It is because those things are really powerful. We want to be famous. We want to be wealthy. We want pleasure. We want power. Because ultimately we want control. Yet the Beatitudes change everything. The Beatitudes change all of that. Right? When we see how the Beatitudes change everything, it is because they free us. They free us from attachment. Right? Having wealth is not in itself bad. However, over and over again in the Gospel of Luke, Christ warns of what? The danger of riches. Why? Because when we have wealth, we can get really attached to our wealth and the things that our wealth can purchase us. Pleasure in and of itself is not bad. God created food to taste good. It's conceivable that God could have just put nutrient cubes around on the ground for us humans to grab that would fuel us with this little bit of nutrients and we could go on with our day. But he's a good, gracious and loving God and gave us beef and pork barbecue and any other healthy thing you might want to throw in there. Because he wants us to have pleasure. But when we become so attached to our pleasure and our pursuit of pleasure, we're not free We're captive to our pursuits of pleasure. We're captive to our pleasure. We're captive to our wealth. And what of our power? It's not easy for people who have power to open their hands and let the power go. Because we're attached to it. And we're attached to our honor, our fame, our good name, whatever that might be. We don't want to let it go. And so what Christ is pointing out here in the Beatitudes is this. That those who are not attached to those earthly pillars that can so easily draw us away are truly free, can truly have peace. It's hard to have peace when we're very attached to our wealth, when we're very attached to our pursuits of pleasure, when we're very attached to our power and our fame. It consumes us. I think you can look around Our day-to-day lives, you could probably look at yourself. I know I can look at myself. It consumes me. It grabs me. It captures me. I'm not free. But there's an openness and a freedom that comes with living out this life of the Beatitudes. And so let's reflect as we close on Christ's first few points. He doesn't say, blessed are the wealthy. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Because they're free. He doesn't say, blessed are those who only pursue pleasure. He says, blessed are those who mourn. Because if you are only happy when you have pleasure and you are pursuing pleasure, when the storms of life come, you will lose all sense of meaning and purpose and joy and happiness. Yet... Blessed are those who mourn. If you can be mourning and yet still have joy, then you're free. 
You're free from the circumstances of life. Blessed are the meek. He does not say blessed are the powerful. In fact, in the passage in James, he says, you know, the powerful, because they grip their wealth and are not open handed with it. And because they grip uh, the, the power that that wealth gives them. They actually make the lives of other people around them worse. So they're not free and the other people around them, their lives are worse. But to think of somebody who is meek, who has nothing that they're attached to so that they can fully be attached to Christ. That's true freedom. Blessed are the pure of heart. Not blessed are the famous and blessed are those who are honored in the public spaces. It's blessed are those who are pure of heart. Because those who are pure of heart and meek and who are mourning and have a, a, they're poor in spirit, have freedom. They have freedom from the attachments that consume us. And Christ is calling us to that. He says to be free, you have to take up your cross and follow me. That doesn't sound, uh, from an earthly standard, very powerful, very pleasurable. And yet he says, if you do that, if you take up your cross and follow me, you'll have joy. You'll have peace. You'll be blessed. So to close, keep in mind that we should look to the Beatitudes regularly to see what it truly means to be a hero. Because it is these men and women to whom Christ is speaking, that over the course of several centuries changed the entire world. Right? These men and women who were poor, largely marginalized, killed, beaten, shoved to the corners of society by those who were powerful and wealthy and sought pleasure, the Roman Empire, they changed the Roman Empire from within, thus changing the world, the spread of the good news, that there's freedom and there's freedom detached from the worldly things that so often consume us and so often pull us in. So as we're pursuing participating with Christ in the redemption of all things, the Beatitudes are our guide. That even if you have wealth, we should be open-handed with our wealth. Even if you have a life filled with happiness and pleasure, you should be open-handed with your happiness and pleasure. And think that it's not just the happiness and pleasure that brings you joy. Joy is a disposition of the heart that is present despite the lack of pleasure and happiness. We should be open-handed with our power. If we have some semblance of power, we should use it for the common good, to love those around us. To be open-handed with it. We don't want to be like the rich young ruler. When Christ says, are you open-handed with your wealth? And he went away weeping. So let's look to these Beatitudes over the next several weeks. We'll get more into the details of them next week. But the idea of a hero is this. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are pure of heart because they have joy and peace. Amen.